Hello, my friends. This is Dan Jones with another Quiet Talk to share with you today. Human beings have an amazing thing animals don't have. At least I don't think they have it. Not that I'm Dr. Doolittle. I've never talked to an animal, but I do know that we were made in God's image, and they weren't. I don't believe we evolved from them anyway. What I'm talking about is imagination. Obviously, the word imagination is a variant of the word image. We can have images in our minds of things that are not present. At this moment, I can imagine the Empire State Building. I'm in Texas, but I've seen it more than once in the flesh or in the concrete, I guess I should say. We think in images, not words. If I give you directions to my house, I will think of the place you're starting from and then translate that into words. Then I will have an image in my mind of the first turn, what that looks like, and so on. The hope is that my words will create images in your mind that roughly correspond to what the route looks like. I may say there's a drugstore on this corner on your left. That's where you turn. When I think of my children, I don't think of their names spelled out. I get an image of their faces in my mind. It's the way God made us. The Bible is full of images. He makes me lie down in green pastures. The Lord thundered from heaven, and the Most High uttered his voice, and he sent out arrows and scattered them, lightning, and routed them. Images. Now, often when we use the word imagination, we're talking about people who are having delusions, like little children who think monsters are under their beds. But as I was saying in the illustration before about giving directions, we couldn't think or communicate without imagination, without the ability to see images of things in our minds. Let me share a beautiful passage of Scripture with you. This is from 1 Peter Chapter 1, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Peter is speaking to people who didn't live in Israel. They weren't there when Jesus walked by the Sea of Galilee or when he was crucified and rose again. They lived far away in what we call in the Bible Asia Minor, which is modern-day Turkey. And yet they loved the Lord Jesus. They believed in him. How is this so? Well, 
It's what we call faith. It's popular among people who think they're real smart to contrast faith and what they call science. For your information, the word science just means knowledge. In the words of a famous politician, there are folks who know a lot of things that aren't so. How do we get knowledge? There are various ways. When I was in school, what we call science was that knowledge gained through the five senses, also called empirical knowledge. You observe things with your eyes, hear them with your ears, and so forth. When a lot of different people see and hear the same thing over and over, we start to call this a fact. To gain knowledge like this, you still need faith. You have faith that what your brain is telling you your eyes are seeing is real and not a hallucination. I've never seen an atom, but I have faith in the scientists who have told me about them. Galileo saw certain things that we know were real. And when he told others what he had seen, he was persecuted by people who didn't believe his testimony, but he was right. Now, there are other ways of getting knowledge besides empiricism. I want to talk about just one. It's called testimonial knowledge. In other words, somebody tells you something. I've never been to China, but I know people who have. They've told me things about it. I have no reason to doubt their testimony. Many people have been there and said similar things. So there must be something to this China deal, even though I've never seen it. I'm sure all of you believe there was a guy called Alexander the Great. If you go down to your local college history department, they can tell you all about him. How did they learn about him? They read books. Now, let me share an interesting fact with you. The writings or manuscripts that we have that tell us everything we know about Alex were written centuries after he lived. Another well-known figure of history is a man called Jesus. His life is the most well-attested of anybody in the ancient world. We have the story of Jesus written as little as 30 years after he was on the earth. To give you some perspective, Richard Nixon died 30 years ago. So did Jackie Kennedy. I don't know anybody who doubts these people existed. But you say Jesus lived 2,000 years ago. That's true. But there were many people who saw him and knew him, who wrote about him, and we still have their writings. If we don't believe the testimony of history, then we can't believe in anybody who lived before us. I believe George Washington lived. I believe Plato lived. I believe Elvis lived. I did see Elvis on TV, but not in person. My wife saw the ambulance bringing him out of Graceland the day he died, but she didn't think to ask them to stop and let her have a peek in the coffin. Those people who wrote about Jesus Christ said some amazing things about him, the most amazing of which is that he rose from the dead and ascended bodily back into heaven. Nobody has claimed that for Alexander the Great or Julius Caesar or Abraham Lincoln. Now, you can discount their claims about Christ, but you can't explain why so many people who were eyewitnesses of Christ were willing to be tortured and killed and watch their children do the same for the belief that he rose from the dead. 
People don't surrender to torture for something they know isn't true. And it wasn't just two or three, but thousands who did this. I think I can honestly say that I would surrender to death for Christ. I have followed him all my life. And although there have been a lot of tough things I've gone through, he has been faithful. If I had time, I could tell you of things God has done for me that have absolutely cemented my faith in him. I haven't always been the most faithful Christian in the world myself, but I'll never go back. I'm staying with Jesus till the end. I'm so glad that these people wrote down their experiences of Christ and passed them on to me. I'm glad they gave us their testimony. So although I wasn't there in person, when Jesus lived and died and rose again, I love him. Like those folks that Peter wrote to, though I do not now see him, I believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible. There's one other thing I do. I use that power of imagination that God created in me to see Jesus by faith. I have imagined him casting out demons, healing the sick, hanging on the cross, and stepping out of the tomb. I've also many times seen in my mind's eye his ascension into the clouds out there at Bethany. That picture is especially wonderful because after he ascended, two angels appeared and said to the disciples, this same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. One of these days, this Jesus that I love is coming in the clouds. I will see him just as I see my wife before me at this moment. What a day that will be. I believe it. Heavenly Father, thank you for those who passed on to us the testimony of Jesus Christ, of his life and his death and his resurrection, and the promise of his soon return. Lord, we believe that because he was right about everything he said on this earth, and we believe that he will come again to this earth. And we long for that day when we see him not in our imagination, but face to face. We pray all this in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. My dear friend, pray for us down here in Texas at Kerrville at uh, the church called St. Michael and All Angels Anglican Church. And uh, we're trying to be faithful to the Lord and reach people here for Jesus. And I hope you're going to try to do the same where you are. As always, you can reach me by email at father.danjones at outlook.com. God bless you.